0: Do you have me? Do you have me in the shot? Perfect, perfect. I mean, look at me. No man in town is as mired as me. I'm everyone's favorite guy. Everyone's awed and inspired by me. And it's not very hard to see why. No no one's quick as my god No one's neck holds up something as big as my gun. For there's no one in town half as manly Perfect to pure paragon You can ask any Tom, Dick, or Sandy And they'll tell you whose team they prefer to be on Like my God, no one's got a swift, in biggest chin like my God. As a specimen, yes, I am all inspiring. My what a guy, my Thank you, thank you. Fulfilling it, you can go. Fulfilling a childhood fantasy? Maybe. In search of an audience-participated chuckle? Perhaps. But if we're honest, aren't we all just a little guilty of secretly starring in our own play, musical, or epic? Don't we all want a cast of characters following behind us, singing our name? Just look at your social media feed. Look at your journal entry, an audio recording of your prayer requests, the stories you tell your friends that are just lucky enough to know you. We all know the most important person in our story. Who's to blame? Social media, reality television, mothers that said we're the most specialist boy in all the world, Zach relationships. Like Gaston in one of my favorite movies, they seem like an unsolvable mystery. Why do we fight with our spouse, our family, our friends? Why do we wrestle with the very relationships that we should revel in? It's a tale as old as time, a song old as rhyme, beauty or beast. My name is Mike and I'm the creative pastor here and we're so excited for this series. We hope every experience through February, you experience the beauty of relationships and learn how to battle the beast of those relationships. We believe at Faith Promise that life is better together, that relationships are sweeter together. But before we go any further on this relationship quest, there is some business that I need to attend to. Last week, we had a little get-together called the Battle of the Pastors. Super Sunday. Father versus son. Experience versus energy. Age versus beauty. And we voted. And there's only one winner. There were three men standing before you. Pastor Josh Whitehead. Our pastor, lead pastor, pastor, Chris Stevens. And our global student pastor, Zach Stevens. In third place... Or some would say last place would be Joshua Whitehead. (laughs) Voting investigation is already underway. (laughs) Some believe he should not have been in the counting in the first place. Some believe he's not getting the credit he deserved. Throwing the flag succinctly and specifically when he believed it was getting out of hand. And holding the flag when he thinks he should just let the men preach. In second place... Coming on strong at the end. When I say the end, I mean 5:30 because that's when the majority of his party went to bed. Doctor Chris Stevens is in second place, leaving one man standing: Robert Zachariah Stevens, our global student pastor, proving once and for all millennials are undefeated when voting via the internet. The majority of pastor's followers, his compatriots, don't know how to use the internet. (laughs) Did a father let his son win? Maybe. Did a son beat the brakes off his old man? Maybe. Win or lose, it was a win for our church. We had over 8,000 people. Eight thousand people almost 8200 people to be exact and that is your obedience to invite it was god's grace that drew and people came in thousands and some people heard for the very first time the gospel some people felt comfortable at church for the very first time a place where they were afraid to go feel they would be judged and unloved and unaccepted they came for the very first time to a faith promised campus and they felt the compassion of a group of people that would love them. Anderson, we're keeping going. Blunt had its greatest attendance ever. Pastor Matt, keep moving forward. North Knox, we love you guys so very much. God Behind Bars, men, fill that gymnasium so other men in those prisons can feel the grace that you feel, we love you guys so very much. If you've not been out to Campbell County, Brandon, the campus pastor sent me a picture of the new renovations of the front of the building and finally the front of the building's matching the inside of the beauty of those people. And Campbell County is poised and they are ready for a move of God. Campbell County's been a difficult place to do ministry. There is a darkness over Campbell County but in this moment in the name of Jesus, we are declaring victory over Campbell County and we're gonna move forward and God is gonna do amazing things. Relationships. Relationships are a beauty to behold, not a beast to battle. Relationships are a beauty to behold, not a beast to battle. Even though the very first worldly relationship, Adam and Eve, love was put to sleep by a poisonous apple. True love fell into a coma, and it looked like it may never wake up again until the original Prince Charming came onto the scene. Prince Jesus charged headlong into your battle and my battle for our broken relationship with God. But the villain of this tale isn't Satan. The villain of this tale is not a big dragon in a lair with fire on his breath. That's not an old lady in a cloak with an apple. The villain of this relationship is you. The villain of this relationship is me. We betrayed the beauty and invited the beast into relationships. We betrayed the beauty and we brought the beast into relationships. First time we had with God, then spreading to others. Throughout Tale is Oldest Time, throughout this series, we are going to explore others and God when it comes to relationships. But this weekend, this weekend, in this moment, we're going to talk about ourselves. Because the beast is you. The beast is me. The beast is our wantings. The beast is our desires. In the 1991 Disney classic, Beauty and the Beast, one of my favorite movies of all time, our story begins on a young prince that lived in a shining castle. And although the prince had everything his heart desired, it wasn't enough. The prince was spoiled, selfish, and unhappy. One winter's night, an old beggar woman came to his door. She offered a single red rose in return from shelter from the bitter cold. Repulsed by her appearance, the prince sneered at the gift. She warned him, do not be deceived. When he turned her away again, her ugliness melted away and she became a beautiful enchantress. Well, the prince tried to apologize, but it was too late. She could see that there was no love In his heart. And for a punishment, she transformed him into a hideous beast. My whole life I've watched this movie. I've loved this movie. I love the music. I love the story. I love the characters. And now watching it as an adult, I find myself feeling sorry for the prince. He made one careless, selfish decision. Who hasn't? He didn't want some old lady trotting around in his house. If he could go back, do you think he would have treated the old lady a little differently? Ushered her in with a smile on his face. Put her by the fire with warm soup and a warm cup of tea. But he didn't have another chance. And we've heard this story or a story alike. But we still betray the beauty and we bring the beast into relationships. Why do we do this? Why do we betray the beauty in relationships? To revel in the beauty of relationships, someone has to wrestle the beast. There are two choices in every relationship that you have. Your relationship with yourself, your relationship with a significant other, a relationship with a friend. You can either revel in a relationship or you can wrestle with a relationship. So many of us get it turned around, and we revel in ourselves. We revel in our talent. We revel in our hopes, our dreams, our prayers, and we wrestle with those around us. If anyone deserved to revel in himself, it was Jesus, the original Prince Charming. Jesus, who was there before a once upon a time and will be here long after a happy ever after. Prince Jesus the maker of the universe, he still desired to revel in relationship with others. The apostle Paul writes to the Philippian church, and we pick it up in chapter two, verse five. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Hold it, Micah. Uh, He walked on water. He fed 5,000. He can do miracles. He's God. I ain't got that kind of game. I agree. And if it stopped there, we could rest on that excuse, but it continues who being in very nature God, we figured that one out, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. One of the most amazing things about Jesus is him becoming obedient to death. Before he came to earth, death wasn't a part of Jesus' story. Jesus is immortal, he is fully God. In heaven, death wasn't something that he concerned himself with. But as a child obeys his parent because the child is under the parent's authority, Jesus came to earth and allowed death to be a part of his story so life could be a part of yours. He allowed death into his story. I love traveling. Different cities, different countries, and I've found there are a couple ways to travel. There's touring a city, and there's visiting a city. You can go to New York, and you can stay at the nicest hotels, look up the Zagat guide, and see the nicest restaurants, go see the, all the amazing sights that tourists normally see, or you can stay with a friend in an apartment on the Upper East Side. You can eat. In hole in the walls, and have conversations, and ride the subway, and truly experience New York City. I believe Jesus wanted the full human experience. Jesus wanted to fill the sand underneath his feet. Jesus didn't want to do a flyby, a tour of the earth, and say, I've been there, done that, let me die, and let's move on. Jesus wanted to battle the beast of his own human emotions, his own human desire. I think we missed that in the story of Jesus. Jesus became fully man so he could understand what you and I walk through every day. And he did it for 33 perfect years. And unlike you and I, Jesus wrestled his desires to death. Jesus wrestled his desire all the way to death on a cross because he knew you couldn't do it and I couldn't do it. The truth, the most amazing truth is that Jesus battles the beast on our behalf. Jesus battles the beast on our behalf. We started this year in a series, Called Out. pastor wrote a book. You haven't read it yet. It's an amazing book. You need to get a copy of it. It's, it's a 31-day journal. You can start whenever. You can read it again. It's going to do nothing but help you in your walk with God. pastor wrote a book, and he believes what God calls you, calls you out. And the apostle Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus a very similar declaration, calling Christ's followers out. In chapter 4, verse 1, he says, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which, which you were called. With all lowliness and gentleness. I love those descriptive words. Is that a character, is that an attribute of your relationship? Lowliness and gentleness. Would your husband or wife describe you in that way? Lowly and gentle. With long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of Peace. I, I see bearing with one another in love, and I can't think of anybody else but my wife, Joy. We are 12 weeks away of giving for our firstborn child, Scarlet. Yes. It was unplanned. I'm concerned. Pray for me. But when I think about Joy having a natural birth, God knows why. There are drugs for a reason. Joy doesn't get to choose which part of the birthing process she gets to feel. Well, that part looks like it's really going to hurt. I'm going to pause on that, and then I'll pick it back up when the baby's in my arms and everybody's oohing and on. The sacrifice that Joy's making for her body to give birth so Scarlett can breathe an independent breath. Joy is giving physical pain so that Scarlett can be a professional golfer. <laughs> I don't want to watch a kid play soccer. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to sit in a poorly mown field in Knoxville in a camping chair watching a bunch of kids kick a ball around. I'm not doing it. She's going to play golf or nothing at all. And I think about our relationships. Joy is not compartmentalizing the pain and the sacrifice of childbirth. She's taking it all on so that Scarlett can have life. Jesus took the sacrifice of the cross and bearing that pain and burden so you can have life. Now the truth is, yeah, let's do it. Now the very people that are clapping right now, this is for you. We are called to battle the beast on others' behalf. Jesus made that sacrifice for you and for me. Now it is in our turn we are called out to battle the beast on others' behalf. That is why Faith Promise, I believe, is filled every weekend with people. Of God's grace, and people can come here knowing that we're gonna bear their burdens, that they're not gonna do life alone. Humility was not a term found in the Greek or the Roman vocabulary in Paul's day. Some believe it was coined by the Christian faith, maybe even Paul himself. The beautiful thing about Christ's followers and the beauty in relationships is the forbearing love marked by humility, gentleness, and patience. It's a continuous, it's an unconditional love. We continue to revel in others and wrestle ourselves. That is the true form of a Christ-centered relationship. If a relationship with Jesus still seems like a fairy tale to you, let me offer to you like this. A little free information for the fellows in the room. Valentine's Day is coming. So plan your lunch break runoff to get chocolate accordingly. Plan your late-night flights for flowers accordingly. But what is Valentine's Day? Is it beauty or is it a beast? For the singles, cynical, the stingy, otherwise it's a staged display of affection. Flowers, chocolates, Cupid, candy hearts, and stuffed bears. But for some, it's a reminder why we fell in love in the first place. It's an excuse to do something extravagant in our everyday relationship because when the balloons deflate, when the chocolates are devoured, when the flowers die, what is left is what truly was. And either we go back to reveling in others and wrestling ourselves, or we wrestle constantly with others and everything else and we revel in our own goals and our own dreams and our own prayers and what we want and what we desire. The scripture says, Love, true love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. Keep the scripture on the screen. That is what I believe Christ was consumed with when he was on his knees in the Garden of Gethsemane, when his body is literally falling apart, being prepared to be pulled apart. He believed he would endure all things so that you can endure the beauty of a relationship with God. Now, as a Christ follower, it is our duty to bear all things for others. To believe all things for others. Do the people in your relationship, the people in your life believe that you believe all things for them? Or the people that you surround yourself with are just pawns in your chess game? Or do they truly believe when they spend time with you that they they are spending time with a person that believes in them, that prays for them, that loves them, that endures things for them? Because if we are constantly wrestling with everyone else and everything else in our lives and reveling in ourselves, we will find ourselves very lonely. We will find our church buildings very empty. But when we revel in others and wrestle our own desires, buildings are filled with people waiting for that grace and that courage and that beauty. As I was preparing for this message, I'm sitting watching people walk by. I love to people watch. And I'm asking myself, what do these people need? What does that lady need? What does that man need? What does God need to tell you today to allow you the understanding, the truth, the revelation to continue to revel in others and wrestle yourself? How beautiful would life be? The prince in the beauty and the beast had everything his heart desired, and it wasn't enough. Jim Carrey, the One of the biggest movie stars of all time said, I wish everybody could have fame. I wish everybody could have money to realize it's not enough. The true beauty of life is relationships filled with beauty. And the only way to receive that beauty is to revel in others and wrestle ourselves. Because we are broken and we will constantly grapple for the main attention in every relationship. But if we can wrestle those desires and revel in the beauty of others... I believe our cities will change. I believe our state will change. In Judges 16, in Israel sometime around 1100 B.C., the prophet Samuel writes of a Gaston type of character named Samson. This buff buffoon similarly believed that relationships were a one-sided exchange for his own humor, his own amusement, his own selfish desires to his own benefit tragically, and ultimately leading to Samson's destruction. Samson literally made a life wrestling with others. That was his milieu. That was his staple. Samson was a strong guy. Samson tore a lion apart with his bare hands. Samson grabbed a jawbone from a corpse of a donkey and defeated hundreds of trained Philistine soldiers. Samson, with his bare hands, caught 300 foxes, tied them together, set them on fire, and sent them through the Philistine harvest field. Samson, strong. Samson was not strong enough to battle the beast of relationships. Samson finds himself with a woman named Delilah. Scriptures tell us that he mocked her. He mocked her with her riddles. He confused her. Delilah was for Samson and Samson alone. Delilah worked for men that wanted to secretly capture Samson, but they could not because Samson was too strong. They sent Delilah in. Find out the secret to Samson's strength. Delilah asked Samson his most intimate secret. He did not tell her. Do you have people you can tell your most intimate secrets to? Because without that, there is no trust in relationships. And if you find yourself feeling sorry, I don't have anybody that can tell, I can tell my deepest secrets to, my darkest fears, my brightest dreams. Well, maybe because no one tells you their secrets. Maybe because no one can tell you their dreams because all they're gonna get is a wrestling match. Look within yourself in this moment at all of our campuses and think of the faces in your life. Think of the names in your life. And when you think of that person and you think about what you've done and what they've done to you, do you revel in them or do you wrestle with them? Do you pray? Do you believe? Do you endure for them? Or do you fight? Do you grapple? And do you spar for the attention, for the win, to win that argument? Samson finally told Delilah all of his heart. Was it hope that she would return the love? Was he confused? Why would Samson tell Delilah the secret to his strength? Delilah ended up mocking Samson as he did her. Because the truth is, when we admire ourselves, we admire to our relationships. We muddy those who matter most to us. Samson spent his life admiring himself, admiring his strength, believing his physical strength was strong enough to overcome his weakness in relationship. And in the end, Delilah told the men that paid her to find out the truth. Samson was attacked, his hair cut off, he was blinded, he was bound and sentenced to a life grinding in prison. And the truth right now, the truth this weekend is if you don't have relationships that you revel in, you also are sentenced to a life with death in your relationships. You were sentenced to a life of drudgery in your relationships. And your life, Samson's life, will never be what it was intended to be because he reveled in himself and did not wrestle with his own desires. Samson found himself a jester for the very people he was sent to deliver the Israelites from. The Philistines chained him to two enormous columns where they dined, they laughed, they threw things at him. Imagine being Samson, being at the top of the world, the strongest man, and now bald, blind, beaten down, waiting to die, wishing to die. And in that very moment, he's chained between two pillars. Samson remembers there is one relationship he has left. Samson calls on the name of the Lord saying, O Lord God, remember me. I pray, strengthen me. I pray just this once, oh God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And an incredible turn of events, Samson, Samson being willing to give his life, the life that he reveled in, the life that he admired, he was willing to give his life for his people and his family. God restored his strength. Samson tore down the pillars, and the ceiling came crumbling down on the Philistines. And Samson. Samson would have done anything. He was ready to die. The wonderful thing today is, it's not your time. You have a life yet to live, and you can live it filled with reveling in the relationships with others. You can live the rest of your life with the truth that Samson just got a moment of. Samson got a moment as the ceiling's falling down on his face. Life is about others. Life is not about me. And then he died in an instant. Life is about others. So when you leave every campus this weekend, if you can have that truth, you can live a life that Samson was always intended to live. The wonderful thing is there are still pages left in our book. There are still pages left in your tale. And today is the first time potentially you can have a relationship with God. We're going to pray a prayer. The words aren't enchanted. But if you realize this entire time of your life, you've lived in a life wrestling with others and reveling in yourself, today's the time to change that. Today's the day that we can move from an inward-focused person to an outward-focused person. And I guarantee you this, in this moment, I'll give you my cell phone number and you call me if it doesn't change. You start focusing on others, I promise you your life is better. Your problems don't go away, bills don't stop coming, but you'll be more filled with joy. You'll be more filled with patience and gentleness and lowliness, and you will endure things for others. That is a life. Enduring things for others, not yourself. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, pray this with me, everyone. Prince Jesus, I'm so sorry. I have reveled for years in myself. From this day forth, I will revel in you. I will revel in others. And with your help, I will battle the beast within. I love you. Amen. If you made a spiritual decision today, we are so excited for you. We are so excited for your life change in this moment. It's never too late to change. It's never too late to change a life change a family, change a neighborhood, change a city. For the rest of us, it may be time to look into the mirror. I love the magic mirror in Beauty and the Beast. That's the only thing she gave him after transforming into a hideous beast. he could see anywhere at any time. We don't have a magic mirror. But if you call yourself a Christ follower and you call Faith Promise home and you're not serving, you're gonna need more than a magic mirror to get away from me. This life is about others. And you tell me you don't have time, meet me in the back. We'll discuss it. If you're a first-time guest, I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking to you. If you don't know Jesus and you're just kicking around, hang out. But if you're a Christ follower and this is your church home and people are dying and broken and lost, serve this body. Serve this church. There's not a place we can't find you in Infuse. If you will meet us in the lobby, we will find you a place. I can't sing, we'll put you to work. You can move a camera, you can cook. And I'm not gonna get extra money if you sign up. That's not happening. The person that gets the most out of you serving is you. Ask anyone that serves on the weekend. We need you here. We need you here. Knoxville needs you serving at Faith Promise. People need you serving at Faith Promise. All around all our campuses, our campus pastors are coming up right now. Campuses, give your campus pastor a huge round of applause as they come to the stage. We love you guys so very much. Now it's just us. I want to applaud and celebrate you for what you did this past weekend. When we have a big event, Pellissippi always shows up and we show out. The reality is Pellissippi is the heartbeat. Pellissippi is the flagship for faith promise. We could not do what we do without you. We could not do what we do without you serving. You serving in kids, you serving in students, you serving on a weekend experience in our worship team. We could not do it without your generosity. We get stories every weekend, and I wish you all could get these stories of life change, of addiction. I had a friend tell me the last service. I had friends come three weeks ago. That person brought two friends. Three people came for Super Sunday. There are five people. I don't know how many people are coming this weekend. That happens because you're generously giving sacrificially so we can create these experiences. Your generosity goes so much further than you will ever know. Continue giving generously to this church. And again, it's not for me. When we give, we get the greatest reward. Serve the body give to the body. Revel in others and wrestle yourself. Relationships are a beauty to behold, not a beast to battle. We love you guys so much. We'll see you next weekend.